Jesus, thank you so much for tonight in this worship, and thank you for the Bibles we have in our hand. Thank you that we can study your word, and you speak to us through your spirit, and I ask your spirit would just give us understanding tonight. Give us, Lord, conviction, God, and lead us into your ways, and not our own. Help us to, God, live before you in the way you want us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in a new way tonight, God. And I pray that he would stir our hearts up, Lord, and that we would grow deeper in you. So anoint this time with your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about a man who lived in uh, Sardina, Italy. His name is Mario Marnelli. And he went down to the city hall where he lived. And he went down to get a new identity card, but he was denied a new identity card. And why was that? Because records show, by some mistake, he had been officially dead for 19 years. Can you believe that? So they wouldn't give him the identity card. And on top of that, the clerk at the city hall informed Marnelli, that by remaining alive, he, he was breaking the law, the law. He was breaking the law. How do you like that? Now, I would say that's a bit extreme there. But sadly, in the same way, Christians can act in the same like legalistic way. And tonight, that's where we're going to see some extreme legalism here of the Pharisees. And they try and catch Jesus and the disciples with... The Tentacles of Legalism. And that's the title of our message. The Tentacles of Legalism. I don't know, I just pictured like like one taco, yeah? The legs going out, trying to grab, yeah? And that's what these guys, that's what they're about. That's what they do. So the Tentacles of Legalism. You see, the Pharisees, and this is our outline, the Pharisees were more about procedure than mercy, policy than compassion. So we're going to see two things here, and this is our outline and two parts of our story tonight. So we begin with number one, procedure than mercy. The Pharisees are more about procedure than mercy. And we're going to be in this section from verse 1 through 5, 1 through 5, so if you're taking notes. But first of all, let's take a look at the first two verses of chapter 6. And it reads here, On Shabbat, while he was going through the grain fields... His disciples plucked, uh, and, um, plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why, what are you, why are you doing? Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? So we'll stop right there. I don't know, I can't read too clearly tonight. I just started, but not too bad, right? Anyway, we begin here on the day of this incident. And it says in verse 1, on, on a Sabbath. So it was one of the Sabbath days, which is a Saturday for the Jews. And the Sabbath is on a Saturday, and it is a day of rest. Uh, it was instituted by God through Moses way back in Exodus. And it really was reflecting what God did on the seventh day, which was he rested after creation. So followed in that manner, it was supposed to be a, a time where you don't work, you just rest, recuperate. Later on, it turned into this day of worship, 
uh, for the Jews there. But mainly it was this day of rest, recuperate, and all that. So on the Sabbath, while he was going through the grain field, so you can picture a whole field of grain there, his disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. So you can imagine they're walking through, and this was legal back then. They would usually leave a part of the field for the poor and needy, and they could go through, and they could just grab. So they grabbed like the heads of grain, kind of rubbing them and breaking off the shell, and then they could eat the, the seed or the grain in there. So it's kind of like a deconstructed uh, a granola bar or something like that you can picture. So it's a good snack for them. So they're walking through the grain fields and, and they're plucking some and eating. Well, with that going on, the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees now, isn't it crazy? What are the Pharisees doing there? They're watching again. They're spying on Jesus. They're trying to catch him at something. So the Pharisees are saying, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? So they start complaining. Hey, this is the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to do that. Because see, what they, they look at is it's not lawful. Because plucking the grain is same as reaping or like harvesting. Rubbing in it in your hands is like threshing the wheat. You know how they, they, they stomp on the wheat and throw it up in the air and all the shells blow away in the wind and it falls down on the ground. This is a grain. So they're like, you're, you're like uh, threshing the grain now. And on top of that, you're eating what you just plucked and, and rubbed in your hands. And that means you prepared the food which you're not supposed to do on the Sabbath because that's work. So you're not supposed to prepare any food. So they're a little upset here, and they're like, wait, wait, what, wh- why is this? You know, why, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? So the disciples were charged with the crime of violating the Sabbath by doing basically work in their eyes. And so again, remember the Sabbath is to be a day of rest, right? recuperate you're not supposed to do any work that's what god wanted to help people uh to recuperate not like work themselves to death and have a death and have a day rest but through the years through the centuries the pharisees the the rabbis they came up with this law or this idea of what it means not to work they got into the real nitty-gritty about it and so they got into well Okay, what does it mean that we got to rest? What does it mean that we cannot work? Well, well, let's define this. So they got all into defining exactly what is allowed and what is not allowed. What constitutes work and breaking the law on the Sabbath. And let me give you some examples. First of all, they say this was, this was a, a real rule back then. A real policy for them is you cannot carry anything heavier than one dried fig. Nothing heavier than one dried fig, or else that would be work and violates the Sabbath law. Here's another thing. You cannot light a fire or a, maybe an oil lamp, for that's work. Making a fire is considered work, so you couldn't do that on the Sabbath. Another one, I like this one. You cannot move a chair, for you might make a rut in the dirt floor, and that'll be considered plowing, and that would be work. That's how crazy it were. No baths were allowed because if you spilled some water on the floor and you try and wipe it up, that would be considered washing, which is what? Work, right? Can't do that on the Sabbath. How about this one? Women, you cannot look in the mirror on the Sabbath. 
You know why? Because you might see a gray hair and you'll be tempted to pull it out. And that would be considered work. Talking about splitting hairs here, about all this, right? You could only carry enough ink to write two letters. More than that, oh, that's work because you're carrying something. If you carry something, that's considered work, like the dried fig. Uh, One more, I like this one. You cannot wear your false teeth because it exceeds the weight limit of what you can carry on the Sabbath. So isn't that crazy? This, this is the Pharisees. This is all that they came up. And they, they took the law of Moses about the Sabbath. And they thought through this. They argued about it and put it all together in what they call the Talmud. Which is a commentary of all the laws of Moses and, and all that. All about their traditions and everything. So you can see now how plucking, rubbing the, the grain and eating it was violation of the Sabbath law. Let me tell you, when, when we went to, um, on our trip to Israel, right, uh, we, were, uh, we stayed in hotels, and, uh, and in these hotels that have more than one floor, and we, we stayed in a really nice one in Jerusalem, and it, had, it was pretty high up. Anyway, every hotel has what they call a Shabbat elevator, and it's, it's a Sabbath elevator, because the regular elevators, when you want to go on a floor, you push the button of what floor you stay in, right? But on the Shabbat elevator, it stops at every floor. Because on the Sabbath, the Jews cannot push a button. Because if you push that button, it makes a little electrical, right? And it tells you, it tells the motor or the elevator which floor to go on. Well, that little electric spark is like a spark and it's like fire. And you're not allowed to make fire. And that's work. So even to this day, there's procedures and and laws on what you can or cannot do. So you can imagine these Pharisees now. They say, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? Yeah, watching these guys pluck the grain, rub it in their hand, and eat, eat it. So then verse 3 now, Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. So Jesus turns around, comments to the Pharisees, say, Hey, have you, have you not read? In other words, you guys should know this. You guys should understand what's going on. You, you guys should, should, should not be like that. Basically, he's saying, uh, Don't you guys know? Do you remember when David was hungry and his men... They were running away from Saul. Saul was out to kill him. And they, got, they were super famished and needed sustenance and food. So they ended up in the temple. And this is in 1 Samuel 21. And he went into the temple of God, the house of God. And he went and took the bread of the presence, which is the show bread. If you remember in our studies in Exodus, if you walk into the temple, on the left side is the candelabra, right? Uh, straight in front of you is, is the, the curtain that separates the most holy place from the inner place, the holy place. And then in front of that is the incense, altar of incense, where you put incense, goes up to God. Well, on the right side, when you enter the temple, is this table. And there's 12 loaves of bread stacked there in, in two, two columns like of six. And that represents Israel, but it's an offering to God. So that's the show bread or the bread of presence mentioned here. And so no one is to eat that. That is an offering to God. But after seven days, 
they take the old off, put new set of bread in there, and the priests are allowed to eat that bread. But it's really a portion for the priest. Well, here comes David. He comes into the house of God in the temple area, not in the tabernacle itself, but he goes in and he's like, oh, he needs food. So the priest allows him to eat this bread. This is probably the only bread he had, and it was probably the bread portion for the priest because a new one was already set there. So this is a story that Jesus is saying that, oh, he went in. Uh, it's not lawful It's because it's only for the priest to eat. But he, the priest gave it to him, and he was in need, so he gave it to him. So Jesus is saying, basically, look, you guys should know this. If you criticize, like my disciples, maybe you've got to condemn David too, because he did something that wasn't normally allowed to do. In other words, I think uh, Jesus is kind of saying, you know, have a little mercy here. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you know, someone's in need, it's okay you know, for that to happen. Matter of fact, in the parallel passage or the story in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 7, Jesus said this in the same scenario. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. So Jesus is basically saying, look, don't worry about this procedure thing. Have some mercy here. Some people are in need. Then he said in verse 5, and he said to them, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So what is he saying? He's saying the Son of Man, which we're going to hear that a lot in the book of Luke. The Son of Man is a term from Daniel, and it speaks about the Messiah. So when he says the Son of Man, is talking about the Messiah, because Adam was made from God, first creation. But then the Messiah is going to be God becoming a man. Uh, being born a man, so that's the Son of Man idea. So the Son of Man, Messiah God, he says, is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, the Messiah God, has the authority, right, on what is right or what is wrong on, on the Sabbath. Because what? He instituted it, God did. He has the authority to say what is right, what is wrong, what, what can be allowed, what cannot be allowed. And so he's trying to show the Pharisees here, uh, you guys going a little too far here. Uh, you're missing out on mercy. You're missing out on what's really important. Look, if we, there's a need, that's what's more important. David had a need, that's what's important. The, the disciples, they're hungry. It's okay. They, it's on the Sabbath, but there's a need there. That's what's really important. John Phillips said, a man's life was more important than ritual. I like that. Yeah. Someone's life is more important than, oh, you got to follow this ritual, you got to do this. And really, that's what the Pharisees were doing. They're bringing their ritual, their traditions, their procedure into their, their law, right? Combining it, well, God said, you, you got to rest. And then they put their stuff in, into it. To make this world like, hey, what they're doing is wrong. And Jesus say, wait, 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 watch out. So, what we see here in this first section is the legalists were more about procedure than mercy and keeping technicalities than meeting needs. You see that? These legalists, the Pharisees, they're more about procedure. You got to stay to the procedure. You, got, you, can't, you can't veer off of that than mercy keeping the technicalities of something than meeting needs. You know, this is a true story back in 1992 in Tel Aviv, Israel. A fire broke out 
on the Sabbath day, on a Saturday, in this ultra-Orthodox apartment complex. That means these are uh, Jewish guys who are super into being Jewish, you know, really following Judaism and their religion and everything. All these people lived in this one apartment complex. Well, this fire broke out in the apartment complex, right? One of the apartments. So the tenants went to a, a rabbi that lived there and, and asked if, if, um, if calling the fire department on the Sabbath was unlawful. They're actually asking the rabbi to, because using the phone, right? It was forbidden on the Sabbath because it meant an electrical current was being used and you can't make fire. So they're like asking the rabbi, well, should we, is that lawful for us to call the fire department? And can you imagine the apartment's on fire? And they're asking, well, it took the rabbi a half an hour to figure out that in times of emergency, it's okay to use the phone. But by then, three apartments had already burned down. Crazy, yeah? Well, watch out for legalism, though. It's easy for that to creep into our life where procedure ends up more important than mercy, or procedure is more important than safety, or procedure is more important that, than love. It, it, it gets to be where, where keeping that procedure, you know, keeping that thing, keeping that law, you know, no, that's more important than maybe someone, you know, who really is hurt, and you need to help them. And I'll tell you, it's easy to get caught up in the rules. You know why? For a lot of us, it's, it's easier to, okay, I'm going to stick to this rule rather than listen to what God wants. Sometimes uh, we're, God wants us to listen to Him and follow Him. And, it, it, and, and that takes work, right? Learning how to hear the Spirit, follow the Lord. So sometimes we tend to, oh, well, the Bible says this, and then we add some stuff to that, and, and we're like, no, no, and that I'm doing what God wants here. And you better too, and all that kind of stuff. So we start defaulting into the technicalities when something happens. And we're like, what, what? Rather than listening to the Lord. Rather than piling things on top of that and losing the principle of what God really wanted. Because you have principles. You have truth in the Bible. You have principle, how God wants you to live and how He wants to obey you. But sometimes we start piling on some extra things, which can be our personal application. But sometimes that personal application starts piling on and that becomes your rule, your law, and you become legalistic in that way. And then, your own personal application, you start putting that on someone else. And then, you start criticizing them. Hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, how could you wear that shirt? You know, right? Maybe it was a shirt with something on it that in your BC days you were fine, but after you came to Christ, you thought, you know what? For me, it reminds me of my BC days. I shouldn't wear that. Yeah? Someone else come in church wearing it and go, how could you wear that? Oh my gosh. You sin- you're not even saved, aren't you? You know? And to them, it means nothing. Yeah? So, we have to be careful that we don't take yeah, our things, put it on someone else, and lose the principle of, of it and start getting all legalistic about it. The thing is, the more you mature in God, yeah, the more like Jesus you become. And Jesus is talking about mercy here. He's saying, hey, look, you know, um, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I, you know, there's a need. 
let's take care of that. Yeah, you know, the priest's supposed to be the only ones eating the bread, but, you know, it's okay. Give it to someone in need in that way. But as we grow, understand, as you grow, you become more like Jesus. And I'll tell you what, if you're really growing, your the legalistic ways are going to get less and less and less. I know that's what happened to me. As I grew, I, I, I became better about being legalistic and being putting this stuff on other people when it's really my thing, you know, or taking things too far. That's what Thomas Brooks said, the more godly any man is, the more merciful that man will be. And you know what? If you want to read later, read Romans 14, because Paul's talking about not stumbling the weak, right? And he says the weak guys is the ones who wants to follow the fastings and follow the holidays and has to be like this and eat certain foods and all that. Paul actually called them the weak guys, you know. But he said, no, we don't want to stumble them. You know, we're going to handle this in a mature way. But as we grow, the more godly any man is, the more merciful that man will be. And that's what we even see with the Apostle Paul. All right, so the Pharisees were more about procedure than mercy. And there's another thing. The Pharisees were more about policy than compassion. And this is the rest of our verses, verse 6 through 11 in Luke chapter 5, in this tentacles of legalism. So, verse 6 now, Luke 6, verse 6, it says, On another Sabbath, and we're going to read two verses. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, that's Jesus, to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. Now, to me, this is, this is crazy. These guys, they're, they're out to get Jesus. Yeah? And they know Jesus' compassion and his heart. And he's been healing people and helping people in that way, right? Eating with sinners, we just read the other week, right? So they're, they're, they're like, they're like want to get him. They don't like he's doing that. How dare Jesus do these things and go against their traditions, their rituals, you know, their Talmud, their rules and laws that they had set up. So here's the Pharisees waiting, watching for Jesus. And notice that it, they're in a synagogue, right? It says in verse 6 that on another Sabbath day, he entered the synagogue, they were worshiping, and as usual, Jesus was teaching like he always did. And in, in, within, within the crowd was this man with his hand was all messed up, it wasn't useful, it was all, all withered, it says here. So the Pharisees are watching and to see, okay, Jesus is probably going to heal him. He's, that's what he's been doing. We're going to get him for that. That's their thought process. Now, the Pharisees had this policy of no healing on the Sabbath. That, that's why they were waiting to see. They had certain regulations. Again, you got, you, that's work. If you do any healing or treating a sick person, like a physician uh, 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 or a friend or a mother or a relative could not treat a sick or injured person or that would be considered work. If someone broke their arm, no, we cannot sit it. You've got to wait till the Sabbath is over. Yeah? And say in, in the synagogue, it was probably Saturday, the Sabbath is going to be over in six hours uh, or at six, 6 p.m. You know, maybe it's like, I don't know what time it was, 10 or 11 in the morning. Hey, just hold on for seven, six hours. It'll be okay. Well, you know, just, just, just grin and bear it. It's okay. Um, uh, the only exception was if their injury or sickness 
uh, uh, constituted that they might die before the Sabbath ends, then you could treat that person. So I was thinking, oh, that, there you go. There's that saying, yeah. Oh, you're okay. You're not going to die, you know. But my arm's just broken. It's just hanging here, you know, kind of thing. You can't treat, you know. Crazy, yeah. There was one other exception I read about was if a mother went into labor, she was uh, um, allowed to have help in delivering the baby. And I thought, well, it's probably the wife of a Pharisee, you, Pharisee saying, you better not you know, say that. We can't do that. So here's the Pharisees waiting for Jesus to violate the law of, of the Sabbath, their law. All right? So verse 8 and 9. But he knew, that's Jesus, knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, the Pharisees, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? So here we have Jesus again. He knows the thoughts of the Pharisees. He knows the intents of their heart and why they're there, what they want to do, what they're waiting uh, Jesus for Jesus to do with this man with the withered hand in inside the synagogue with everyone else there. So Jesus, he knew their thoughts, so he goes, hey, come over here. Yeah. So the man with the withered hand came, and he's, he's, he comes, and he stood right there in front of Jesus. So can you imagine the man with the withered hand wondering, whoa, I wonder if I'm going to get healed. But then Jesus looks at the Pharisees now, and he says, I ask you, is it lawful? Is, is this something, you know, right to do uh, on the Sabbath to do, good, to do good or harm? To save life or destroy it? You know what? Right here, Jesus got him, right? What are they going to see? Everyone in the synagogue has heard what Jesus said. And maybe they didn't know what the Pharisees were thinking. But here's these respected religious leaders and, and Jesus poses this question, which is, which is against what they're all upset and wanting Jesus to violate. The Pharisees basically tried to trap Jesus, but Jesus turned it around and put them on the spot. Isn't that awesome? I was thinking about in 1 John 3.17, it says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So think about, these are the respected religious leader, Pharisee guys, right? And the people, I mean, the obvious answer is what? To do good, not harm, right? To save a life, not to destroy. I mean, that, that, that would be the right thing to do. That's a godly thing to do. That's a holy thing. So here, here's these Pharisees, right? Well, then look, verse 10. And after looking around at them, all he said... Uh, looking at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. In the NLT, it says, he looked around at them one by one. In other words, he looked at however many Pharisees are there. And he's just looking at them. And they're not answering the question. They're saying nothing. They're not answering it at all. There's no compassion here. There's no compassion here. Then Jesus then just turns to the guy with the withered hand and he says, stretch out your hand. He stretches out hand and right then the guy's healed. I mean, can you imagine? It's all couldn't move. Then all of a sudden, whoa, you know, he's probably looking at his hand and going like that. And, oh, 
And so he's healed just like that. He's healed. But then look, verse 11. But they were filled with fury and discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. I think this is incredible. So they're all upset at Jesus because he healed this guy with the withered hand on the Sabbath. And so they're all upset now. And now what? You know what? They're plotting on the way to get to Jesus. How to destroy him. How to really, toward the end, what happened? They wanted him killed, right? They're the ones who falsely arrested him. They're the ones who falsely accused him, brought him to Pilate, to Rome, to have Rome condemn him and put him to death because they didn't have that authority. They manipulated the system. So they're starting a plot. They want to get to Jesus. They're so upset about Jesus. But look how legalism blinds you to your own sin. They're upset about Jesus breaking their law about the Sabbath. But here they're plotting to get Jesus. And maybe even at this point to kill him. Is that right? That again, that's totally against the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments, right? What is going on here? How can these guys be so blind? You know why? Because they were full of their own pride, their own glory. And the, fl- the sinful flesh was just egging and all that on and getting them all emotional about this whole thing. That's why. Charles Ryrie wrote, Legalism may be defined as a fleshly attitude which conforms to a code for the purpose of exalting self. That's what it's about. If you think about legalism, it's about exalting yourself. If you think about the Pharisees, we're going to see more about them. They're, they're about, oh, look how holy I am. They want to be you know, head and shoulders above all the regular people. They consider themselves even more holy than the common people. They were the godly ones. They were the ones God favored because... They're Pharisees. They followed the law. They were, you know, perfect in their own eyes. They weren't far from that. But that's what happens. Pride and the sinful flesh and wanting your own glory. And then you take these rules and regulations that, that isn't that the way it goes? We, 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 can, we can set up our own little rules and things and we follow them. We think we're so good and we look at someone else and they're not doing what we're doing so they're so bad. That's all pride. And in that pride, we think we're okay, but we're being blinded by our own pride and our own seeking our self-glory. So, the last point is this. The legalists were more about policy than compassion and glorifying themselves than God. That's why they were so blind. That's why they could not see Jesus as the Messiah. They could not see Jesus as the Lord God that who had come to this earth. That's why the healings and the miracles and the teaching, they were so blind they couldn't hear God speak because they're so into themselves and their legalistic ways. And Jesus was coming in different than the way their religious system was. Different than the way they handled things. Different and and they, they were taken back because in what they wanted to do, it was all about them and their pride and their glory, glorifying themselves. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, um, Do not be deceived. 
Bad company ruins good morals. Watch out, because I, I, I feel like the, these Pharisees, you know, they didn't like Jesus because he went against them. But he, at first, you know, they're just, their, their tentacles are going out trying to grab him, grab the disciples. What are you doing plucking the grain? What? That's not right. You're supposed to do what we do, yeah? And that's what they've been doing with the people and their tentacles have been going out trying to grab them and pull them into their own legalism. And let me tell you, watch out because it's easy for us to get caught up, not only because of maybe some of our own, you know, uh, uh, sin and flesh and all that, but because, you know, sometimes when we're around people like that, they can pull us into that fleshly nature. So watch out for that. Watch out for those who are just so like this and then they get down on you because you're not like this and then you don't see mercy, you don't see uh, 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 compassion and all of that. Watch out. I Personally, I, through the years, I, I, I don't like hanging out with those people because to me, I, I'm, I'm kind of that type A, almost OCD kind of person anyway, you know. Um, um, yeah. Years ago, you know, being being a musician and and I'm into sound too, you know how to do sound and all this, you know. And and I I I go to maybe a conference and you're sitting in the 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 church where this conference is held and you know the person doing worship and the one string is out of tune. All the other ones okay, but this one string, I'm like, oh, it's out of tune. What's wrong with him? Can't he hear that string? It's out of tune, you know. And I get all like nuts about it, right? Or maybe the sound isn't perfect, you know. Oh, come on. And I keep looking at the sound guys like, hey, fix that, you know. Come on. Oh, the mid-range, that frequency, you've got to tweak it a little bit. You know, and I'm, I'm almost tempted to get up and go over, hey, you know, kind of thing. But it, and it, it's part of this bad combination of I know music, I know sound, I know sound and I like things real perfect. You know, I don't know if you know, sometimes uh, Brad would tease me too, but sometimes like when we were in the, the school and the podium was just a little crooked, you know, they would set it up, you know, I'd be like, <laughs> it had to be just exactly, you know, there was a line on the stage and it'd be right exact, you know, but anyway, but, but sometimes I get strange that way. I ask my wife, she goes, yeah, you don't know what I live with, but but so the sound stuff, right? And it's just bothering me. I'm like, ah, and I was like, oh, you got, you know, and, and then I get all critical about the worship leader or the sound guy and this church and this building and all this stuff. And then one day God's like, stop. Stop it. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm having this bad attitude in church. I'm being critical when I should be worshiping. When, when God's presence is there, yeah? And He's ministering to people. And even during the Word, maybe the podium mic doesn't sound right, and I'm like tripping on that. And God's ministering, speaking to people, healing people, touching people. Yeah? And here I'm focused on this one thing, and I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord. You're right. You know what? I'm missing out. I'm missing out on worship, being in Your presence. I'm missing out on... I'm receiving the word from my own heart because I'm worried about this thing. That's how these Pharisees are. They're, they don't see Jesus. 
So we got to be careful in that way. I'll tell you, when, when I finally like, let that go, like, you know what, what am I doing? Oh, I could worship, you know. I could listen to the Word. I just, I just let it go, and, and, and I could connect with God once again. So watch out, you guys. I mean, for me, it's, it's easy for me to get caught up, you know, in, 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 into that. And I'll tell you what's happening with these guys. They, they were so into, you know, being religious, following these regulations and the policies and the procedures, that that, that was the relationship they had with God, which wasn't a relationship. It was a relationship with their laws, that's all. And when you're out to just do the rituals, you know what, you lose out on the relationship. And when you don't have that relationship, and you only have a relationship with the rules and procedures and regulations and, and the laws and all that, you know what happens? The, the, the uh, output of that is pride. That's what it is. Pride. Self-glory. You think about yourself all the time. And it makes you proud, pompous, you know, holier than thou, than the other people. Hi, makamaka type of thing. So you guys... You don't want to do that. Be careful of your own little rules and regulations and things like that. Keep it stuck to the Bible. Grow in the Lord. Keep the character of God in you and the fruits of the Spirit. Let that build the relationship. Yeah, That's what's important here. You don't want to be a Pharisee. Someone said a Pharisee is uh, a... a um, uh, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, there's Pharisees and Sadducees. There's the two groups there, you know. And the Pharisees weren't fair, you see. And the Sadducees were sad, you see. But the Pharisees weren't fair, you see. And so you don't want to be like that. And on top of that, as legalism is against God. It's a sin. And like any sin, it puts you into bondage. And if you think about if you've ever been legalistic in your life, yeah, it's bondage. It's bondage. Some, I know someone who's a clock watcher. Yeah. Sorry, you're overtime. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. You know, but everything in their life is, oh, no, the clock, the clock. Oh, no, I'm late. Oh, no, I'm early. Oh, right? But I'll tell you, they know they're in bondage to that clock when you're legalistic like that. So watch out. I'll close with this. In 1993, a small group of Franciscan nuns in Prey in uh, Czech Republic decided to uh, get more assistance by opening up the downstairs of their abbey as a hotel. So they had this um, building, this facility that they, they lived and functioned in. And they thought, well, to generate a little more funds for their ministry and efforts, they would open up the downstairs as like a hotel. Well... This facility that they had taken over was formerly an underground detention center used by the communist government to imprison people. So they're actually a prison down there. And so they, they, uh, they used that, the communist government, to torture people, imprison them and all that thing. Well, they said, well, for $33 a night, you could stay in what used to be a prison cell. And these nuns say they are trying to find a middle ground balance between comfort and and authenticity. I was like, what? <laughs> Just go for comfort. Forget the authenticity part. That's so crazy, right? I mean, I wonder how many stars they got, right? 
<laughs> if you could get negative stars, they probably got that thing. That, that's crazy, but think about that. I say that, I close with that because that's what legalism does. It puts you in a comfortable prison cell. You think you're okay, but you're not. It's one of the devil's greatest deceptions to think you're okay when you're legalistic. So watch out for that. Thinking that you're godly, but really you're just feeding your own pride for your own glory. So, watch out. Jesus can set you free. But for right now, watch out from the tentacles of legalism. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word tonight and thank you for making us aware of these things, Lord. God, um, we are all prone to that, Lord. But help us to grow and not be so uh, easily fooled into thinking legalism is the way for us to be right with you, God. Lord, it's not that. It's you, Jesus. You died on the cross for us. You made the way. Lord, you rose again from the dead so we can be saved and have a new life. And now the righteousness of Christ, not our own, that righteousness is put upon us like clothes, like robes. And now we can stand before you holy, clean, godly, what you want us to be, Lord. Positionally justified. And God, I thank you for that. We don't have to do rules and this and that to be right with you. But Lord, thank you, you made the way. So help us, God, to not have legalistic tendencies. Help, uh, help the tentacles of legalism not pull us into itself. Help us, God, to have mercy, compassion, live by principle, and live for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and we'll close with one song.